code is version controlled through Git, the version control system originally built to manage the Linux code base. For decades, software has been developed using Git for version control. More recently, data engineering has become an unavoidable facet of software development. It's reasonable to ask, why are we not version controlling our data? Dmitry Petrov is the founder of Iterative.ai, a company for collaborating and version controlling data sets. Dmitry joins the show to talk about how version control works with data and his company Iterative, which builds products around the version control and management of data sets. Dimitri, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. There is a lot of tooling around machine learning. There's SageMaker, lots of other cloud tools, TensorFlow, frameworks. Shouldn't the problems around machine learning already be solved? What are the gaps in tooling in machine learning? Uh, this is a really great question. From one side, yeah, there are tons of different types of tools, right? for modeling different types of algorithms, uh, different types of libraries, right? Experimentation tools, like model zoos, right? Let's not talk about GPT-3 today, right? <laughs> it was released one week ago, and today everyone is talking about it. Anyway, so a lot of tools around, but when you take a look at the workflow, at the process, how the ML process is organized, you will see that there are no much tooling around. Most of the tools focused on individual data scientist experience. It's about creating models, it's about watching to the experiments. But when it comes down to collaboration, how to transfer my result to my colleagues, how to capture my experiments and share this with my team, how to move my result to uh, some production environment, then there are not much tools around collaboration. So collaboration. Yeah, the area that we are working on it's closer to workflow, to lifecycle management around machine learning process. Uh, and we manage, our tools are managed data, ML artifacts, ML pipelines, ML models, mostly with the focus on collaboration, on lifecycle management around the models and data sets and all the artifacts, all the activities around the ML workflow. What kinds of data sets need to be shared or collaborated on? At what points in the workflow? Are we talking about sample data sets or training data sets or, or production data sets? What are we talking about? Uh, we are talking about any data set that you use for your ML experiments. Any data set that you use for your analytical projects at the end of the day when you when you do machine learning at the end of the day uh, you need to upload all the data in a single machine it might be like cloud instance it might be your laptop but you need all the data here because most of the algorithms are work on uh, with in a local environment so uh, this is a place when tools like dvc can capture <clears throat> your data set so when the result is produced you will know what what version of the data set was used, how exactly to reproduce your result. And what is probably even more important to your teammates will know how it happens and how to get the same result. So when I run a data set through a machine learning model, I might want to share that exact data set with somebody else to run a different model 
or would I want to, to receive a different data set to run on my model? Give me a little bit more about the mechanics of when data sets need to be shared and what models they're being used on. Okay, first of all, we can separate like life cycle, right? And team collaboration and your personal uh, experience as a, a data scientist or a ML engineer. Actually, both of kind of users, types of users need to know like what exactly was, was used. Because in two weeks, when your model is ready to push to some like production system or to your teammates, they can answer the, uh, ask you a question like, what exactly version of data set was used? Was used? Did you use data set from like previous week or month ago? Or did you uh, use like cleanse version of the data set or a raw data set? So all these questions arise and you need to have like absolutely clear answer. And this is uh, when you need uh, versioning uh, for data set. And this is when you need to kind of tie the data set versioning with uh, your code versioning. So data versioning should be tied with code versioning. Say more about that. Yes, absolutely. You need to version your code. And this is kind of a soft problem in the industry, right? But version control systems cannot version data sets. And uh, this is what we solve, what uh, our tool DVC solves. We tied your data sets or with your code together. Can you draw an analogy between an, a regular Git workflow and a workflow that has DVC and Git? Yes. So when you use DVC, you have a bunch of commands which are kind of similar to Git. And you say like DVC add data set or file or DVC add a model, then you have a commands to define the, your pipeline. When you say DVC run and then like command, which like connects your data with your model, and it might form kind of complicated pipeline or direct acyclic graph. And then this is how DVC uh, looks from outside, from, from user point of view. You just run commands and version uh, commands like, like uh, Git does. However, for this is how I explain DVC for end users, for data scientists, for ML engineers. However, for people with uh, engineering background, with a DevOps background, how I explain DVC a bit different way. I can I'm saying that DVC codifies your data, and after the codification, Git does the actual versioning. What does it mean to have my data be codified? Codify means, so this is a general practice, like how people work with uh, data today. You cannot version data set or model or ML models in the repository, right? In your Git repository or your any version control repository. And what people do, they just uh, create a meta files with description. So to run this model, I need to take data from this, let's say a three bucket or like Azure directory. Or, or from this like FTP server with from this particular directory. And they keep this meta information in the repository. They version these uh, meta files together with code. This is how kind of connection works between data files, the actual data and the, your code. DVC just streamlined this practice. It has a set of kind of conventions around like how exactly this meta information should like should look like how to version your data from your like, S3 bucket, like Google storages or random uh, servers. 
it defines the rules how you version pipelines, how to create meta information about pipelines. So at the end of the day, you have like a few files or maybe like one single meta file. And then you just say, git add these files, commit push, and all the information, all the meta information goes to your regular git repository. So in this sense, we are not reinventing git, we're just like using git as an uh, underlying technology. So the actual usage of the dataset version and control system, I'd like to understand that in better detail. So let's say I've got a machine learning team. We ship our models to production. We ship a new model to production, I don't know, every week or you know, three times a week, five times a week. How is the data version control system being used in that context? Yeah, so the environment you describe, it's a good environment, like production one, right? And when you ship model in, in a regular base, you probably have, it probably it's not a manual process, right? You might run some pipelining tools, you might run some data engineering tools, and uh, data engineering tools can use DVC inside, can use DVC to uh, ship this model to keep track of uh, your data set and uh, source code. In our experience, we focus mostly on the development stage. When we manage, uh, when users or data scientists version data set together with code, and he or she just pass this result to production team. And production team has a clear protocol how to deal with data, how to get model, using a regular kind of a git flow, right? So your git repository becomes description of your model. And from production environment, uh, from production environment engineer can say, so I have this repository, there is a model file, and I need the last latest version. Like I need master head from this version. So, and to, to dev environment, you get the last latest version. Or you can say from production environment, I need a version a number with this tag or with this like uh, git uh, hash and you'll get version like previous version or version whatever you asked. So uh, with uh, a DVC, uh, you introduce git flow in your model management, in your dataset management. And can you give me maybe a, a concrete example? Like, are there any companies that you've worked with or applications that you've seen where you can describe why this is useful or what kinds of problems it solves? Yeah, so first of all, DVC basically mainstreams uh, the general uh, practice practices of introducing meta information about your data sets, right? And you anyway need to version uh, your data sets, right? Your models. And DVC gives you like a way of uh, doing this. What is special about DVC, and uh, I believe this is a core for the adoption of the DVC, we don't introduce any new infrastructure. So DVC works on top of uh, your Git, which means you use your Git, for example, GitHub server, right? Or GitLab server. DVC uses your storages like S3 buckets or FTP server with a particular address. And you don't need any additional service or database or whatever. So it's like a distributed by nature because it it uses uh, Git under the hood. I believe this is why many people prefer to use DVC rather than go to some, I don't know, end-to-end ML platform which hides 
all the pieces and you have additional technology stack in the additional technology stack in addition to the software engineering stack. Our core belief is AI stack, AI platforms needs to be built on top of the existing software engineering stack. You just need to extend the stack. You just need to enable the data scenarios, uh, machine learning scenarios. That's a profound realization. And can you compare that, your fully integrated approach to the other approaches out there? Of Because, I mean, version control of data or data management for machine learning gets accomplished in a variety of other ways. Can you compare it to some of the other workflows that people endure? Usually, data versioning happen, is happening under the hood of your uh, AI platforms. If you use an AI platform, and many companies today uh, have built an uh, internal AI platform, or you can buy an, an AI platform, they do have data versioning. You cannot build a proper workflow, a proper collaboration without uh, data versioning or model versioning. And this is hidden. You know, in the in the platforms, and you as a user usually use the uh, versioning and all these capabilities through like web UI like interfaces. In our case, DVC basically say that you don't need an AI platform. You have your Git for versioning, which is great, and everyone use that. You have your S3 buckets or whatever storage you use. And DVC just orchestrates those existing technologies and introduces uh, data version to your workflow. This is uh, how DVC is different from AI platform point of view. From another point of view, you can take a look at data, data engineering systems. And some of the data engineering systems also have versioning inside, right? One of the, for example, Pachyderm, it's a data engineering system, uh, but it still have capacity, uh, not capacity, but functionality of versioning data. But DVC is not data engineering at all. It doesn't have like any like schedulers. Uh, it does not recover your jobs. And it serves like a very simple goal. Just connect your code and data and ML pipelines to, all together and version and transfer uh, all, all of these artifacts together. So we focus on data science, data science workflow uh, when data science work on some projects and collaborate with, with the team teammates. And data engineering goes like in the next step when you do productization of your models through pipelines, through batch processing. We've talked a little bit about data versioning at this point. Can you talk about model versioning? When is it important to do model versioning and how is that implemented? Model versioning, uh, of course, it's a, a core piece, right? In the software, in the data science workflow, because this is, Usually, this is the connection between your development part of the cycle, between data scientists and engineers, production environments. This is how these two worlds are connected. And of course, you need to have a kind of conventions of some protocols, how to work, how team can work together. From DVC point of view, it just versions files. It can be models, it can be data set, it can be like intermediate result. For example, some matrices that you will be using uh, in the training. For DVC, it, uh, it does not matter like what you version. So it can version models as well as data sets. What is important, DVC has a concept of uh, metrics, right? This is a core part of uh, ML workflow. And when data scientists think about like 
models, they don't think about the files, right? They think about metrics, what metrics I got with uh, in the modeling process. And my, uh, metrics is also the artifact that DVC uh, versions and tied together with, uh, with code and uh, models. And second thing is hyperparameters, because in many cases, this is what, what driving uh, your uh, success in modeling. And this is also important to remember like what types of parameters, hyperparameters you use. So this is how DVC came from managed models not just like a data set. So you got a file with DVC conversion, no problem, and uh, correspondent uh, metrics as well as hyperparameters. So tell me a little bit about the engineering. What have you had to build in order to enable data set versioning and model versioning? Yeah, this is an interesting question. In terms of engineering, I think the core part of the engineering was a decision around uh, if we should do like AI platform style tool, like create a server and put meta information into the server and maybe even data, or we should do just a kind of lightweight way, lightweight way with codification. And when we found this, that the codification can work, when we can just codify all the artifacts and put them into your regular Git, it was, it was an interesting uh, architectural decision. And this decision put us in a kind of like interesting spot when you, need, you don't need like any additional infrastructure in, uh, in your team. You can version data, you can version your models, or everything around just using your regular, uh, regular workflow. And what we have built, just Archistrator, DVC is kind of an orchestrator around your Git and uh, around uh, your S3 storages. This is how it works. And uh, it is like distributed by the nature just because it uses uh, Git as an underlying technology because mm-hmm. this is distributed. Git is distributed. And so DVC is. Now, are there any places where Git is not an ideal underlying medium or ways in which you paper over some of the some of the features of git like or or build on top of it and extend git like tell me what about git as a version control system is not appropriate for a data version control system oh yeah this is really really good question yes first of all of course git has a lot of limitations right and assumptions around the workflow and initially it was not designed for data science workflow for like data specifically. So when it comes down to data management and data like transferring from like your environment to your like instance in cloud, it works just great. Uh, you clone your repository, you pull you pull code, you pull data and everything works well. The problem is experiment management. You're probably familiar with uh, uh, data science workflow, right? They run like up tons of different experiments. Sometimes you can have like 10 experiments per day, sometimes 20, sometimes uh, 3,000. You know, there are ways to automate this experimentation uh, process. Today, DVC is based on semantic of commits, right? Every experiment is a commit. It can be in a branch or it can be in your like uh, existing branch or a new branch, whatever. But making a commit it's quite a big, I would say, heavy action 
if you're experimenting a lot, right? Just to give you like some analogy with software engineering, it's a fine to get a, a, make a commit, right, with your source code, but not in development phase. For example, your unit test fails, right? Uh, you don't fix it and commit it right away, right? You probably fix one, then run it one more time. It fails again. You don't commit again. You don't commit. You make another fix. Uh, you run it, and finally it's green, and then when you commit. In machine learning, you do kind of a similar way. You run one experiment, second, third, like fifth, and only after that you can, you can say, okay, it's good. I'd like to share this result with my teammates. But you still need the previous ones. And data scientists are usually reluctant to do like as many coming. And today we are working on kind of lightweight exper experiments. How to enable, how to enable experiments, ML experiments, uh, without actually committing them into the Git, but still storing them, still preserving them. And we will be storing this information in your data remotes and your like S3 uh, remotes or some other storages, kind of outside of Git, outside of Git workflow. So this is how we try to uh, like our com, uh, our com limitation that Git introduces. Tell me more about what you see as the bottlenecks in machine learning workflows and how data version control fits into that workflow. We've talked about it a little bit, but could you just go deeper into why it's necessary to have a data version control system, just to reiterate the usefulness? It all comes down to maturity of your process, how repeatable it is, how manageable it is. How can I return to my previous model? How can I get my result from three months, three months ago? So all of those questions, they're very simple. However, there are very, very few teams who can quickly answer this question, who can quickly get to your previous result, who can quickly find your ML model, which uh, didn't work well like last month, but it's still interesting for some reason. It's, it's, not, it's really hard to find your previous results and all this information is getting lost all the time. And this is why ML process is very fragile. It's, it's really hard to kind of introduce well-managed process around just because there are no kind of good collaboration tools. And this is why you need a proper uh, data versioning. This is why you need a proper kind of a protocol of working between your uh, data team and DevOps team or engineers teams. This is when you need tools uh, to support your workflow. The classic problem in machine learning development is that you have a data scientist who's doing some ad hoc testing and work in a Jupyter Notebook, and eventually they need to get their Jupyter Notebook into production. They need to test it on a larger quantity of data, and there's a lot of different ways that this tooling workflow proceeds. How does a data version control system assist in this kind of workflow bottleneck? Yeah, this is a huge problem, right? Like kind of a disconnect between your data scientists and your uh, ML team. Oops, sorry, not ML team, but engineering team. So how data version helps you it can show you not just a notebook that was used, 
but it can bring you a model which was the result of your training as well as data set which was used for, for getting the final result. So you uh, with uh, data version and you can capture all the artifacts around and your engineering team will know exactly like what happened, what data set was used, what model was get. And this simplifies the process of productization, right? So the problem that we are solving is improving collaboration with the one simple goal. It's to decrease time to production, time the team spends on uh, moving your data products in usually SML models to production environment, to our real systems. How is the experience of a data scientist different from that of a software engineer working in machine learning? Uh, data science workflow is very different, actually. If you go like deeper, because it looks like it's the same, right? The, sitting in front of laptops, right, and pushing the buttons. But if you go a bit, a little bit deeper, you'll see workload is absolutely different. First of all, they work with data a lot. They need to transfer this data. Sometimes it's not a small data set. Sometimes it's, it takes time to get this. Then they, in many cases, they do data modifications. They hack data as often as they hack code. And all these hacks needs to be recorded, right? Versioning, uh, versioned. And they do experiments. Experiments, they're kind of similar to software engineering. You do like small changes, run your like unit tests and see little like results. But it takes more, usually takes more iterations. And uh, some of your failed results also need to be recorded. This is the difference, uh, crucial difference between software engineering and data science. Because if your experiments fail, it doesn't mean it's bad. It means that some hypothesis didn't work uh, behind, but you can still return back to these experiments in the future. This is a data set first, uh, experiment second. And the third, it's not easy to automatically evaluate the process. Like in software engineering, you got test passed on your CI CD system, right? And you're like, all right, I'm good to go to production, right? It's good to deploy. But in machine learning, is, uh, it's different. It's a metrics-driven. And if you get, say, 0.7% accuracy improvement and 0.5% like of more true positives, is it a good result? Is it a bad result? I don't know. You need to understand the scenario behind this model, right? You need to understand the goals uh, and history of your experiments to answer this question. So there are no simple answer like pass, fail. You need to be like uh, metrics driven and you need to make the decision based on, on some knowledge. So this is what makes ML also different, different. We've talked about data version control. Now to talk about your company, which is Iterative AI, you have data provenance, which goes hand in hand with data version control. If you have your data and your models version controlled, then presumably you can do provenance. You can know when something happened, why it happened, and you have machine learning model management, which which enables that as well. Tell me about what the company offers and why people would use it. What kinds of abilities does it give to a machine learning team? 
Yeah, if you're talking about the company, we are, I would say, usual startup with uh, open source product, right? Today, there are a bunch of startups which are uh, building like open source product and uh, create some uh, offering on top, on top of this. So we do the same. We have DVC, which is like fully open source. You can use, use the tool for data versioning, for provenance, uh, data provenance. We have recently built a CML project, which is continuous machine learning, and CML integrates you to CI systems like Git, GitHub Actions or GitLab CI/CD. Uh, the idea is simple, just to utilize your existing IT infrastructure, your existing CI systems in order to uh, make them work for machine learning workflow. And uh, in addition to those two tools, to open source tools, uh, we offer more business-specific uh, products. And usually they're related to uh, security and compliance. It's not something that individual needs. It's mostly about like business needs. Uh, so everything that individual needs, we give through open source for free. And if business needs some, for business needs, we have a offering, a special offering. And this is not what we invent, and this is a regular approach for like open source uh, companies, right? There are dozens of those today in the market. So if I'm developing a machine learning model, how am I leveraging iterative AI? What are the the ways in which my this platform is going to be useful for me in deploying and managing the models? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you call uh, first of all you call this platform, right? Uh, but we don't call this platform. We build ecosystem. This is what what I would call it. We build separate tools which can be connected or can be not. Apps to you, apps to users, and uh, we have DVC. People use DVC sometimes without any other our, our tools. We have built like CML. It's the same. People can use CML. People can use CML with DVC or without. And the same for uh, our other product. So, for example, like I said, if you are a small team, probably DVC and CML, it's enough for you f- to capture your data and models, to version them properly, to manage them and move them uh, around properly. And CML, it can be enough for you to uh, connect uh, the team to data science team to to engineering team through CI/CD process. But as a company, you may need something more. For example, you can say, hey, but like how much resources we have spent for this particular product, ML model? Who was working the most on this product? Like who spent most of our computational resources? Who has access to this particular data set? So this kind of scenario, they're business scenarios. Uh, Small teams do not need the scenarios. They don't care about this kind of, organizational complexity, if you wish. And this is what comes, this is when our business offering can can cover. There's a variety of newer machine learning experimentation tools. There's a company called Weights and Biases that's going to be on in the near future. There's MLflow, which is a, a project out of Netflix. Tell me about how the system of tools that you are working on compared to these other experimentation tools? Good question. Yeah, there is a set of tools for experimentation. Uh, as you mentioned, like weight and biases, MLflow. MLflow, it's not from Netflix, it's from Databricks. NeptulML, the old system, ModelDB, and there are like maybe three, four more. 
tools. Yes, so I'm, yes, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. I could, I, I, uh, I, I mistake uh, Metaflow for MLflow. That's the one that, that we covered recently from Metaflow. Oh, Metaflow, right. Metaflow, sorry, yeah. Yeah, okay. Let's discuss Metaflow separately. Let's talk first about experimentation. And Metaflow is a bit uh, special, I would say. So, first of all, yes, weight and biases, MLflow from Databricks, and ModelDB and some other tools for experimentation. What they do, they capture your result of your experiments, mostly online metrics. When you run your model, you can see like what exactly is happening right now with your training process. So you can stop your training in some particular uh, step if you don't like the current metrics. And it also can preserve the history of your experiments when you can take a look at the metrics, right? This is important in the development stage. This is important for data scientists during the development process mostly. What DVC does, it captures the end result of your workflow, end result of your experiments. And you use DVC usually when you, when you are ready to transfer this result to your team or to production system or somewhere outside of you. So they kind of more focus on development experience we are, with our tools, more focused on life cycle, on life cycle management. This is uh, the fundamental difference. And uh, you can find a lot of teams use our solutions with, together with experimentation tools, like DVC with MLflow, DVC with weight and biases. So they're not, uh, they are not kind of competitive tools. They complement each other about like experimentation. MLflow, it's a little bit different because it has a component of uh, data versioning. Uh, it has a component of like pipelines. And uh, this tool, it's more look like a DVC. Uh, the difference is they tie to your um, Amazon infrastructure. So this is, uh, I would say, the biggest difference. So we support, we work with Gitflow on top of Git, and they uh, use own kind of sets of convention on uh, kind of Python APIs to do uh, the same work. Python APIs on top of your uh, S, uh, on top of your AWS infrastructure. We do Git codification and whatever storage you prefer to use. So, to to return to the focus on data set management, when I think about a model that I push to production, once it gets pushed to production, there's real API calls being made to that model. It like things from my you know website that's going on or from my mobile app that are going that's going on. And I'm wondering about the live the live data, the live data in in, in comparison to the training data. So when I'm accepting live examples, do those examples get saved into the data version control system or are, are we just logging the results of those uh, inferences or um, whatever the machine learning model is doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are talking about online serving, right? About production systems. Yes. So with uh, DVC, with our product products, we are focused mostly on the development stage and how to transfer this result to production stage. We don't do like productization. We don't do serving. And this is actually like one of like uh, core belief uh, behind our company, our tools. 
we believe uh, it should be like ecosystem of the tool when each tool solves a particular problem, but it solves it solves it very well. So we do data model versioning. We do connection with your CI/CD systems with uh, training infrastructure and serving and productization itself goes separately. We are connected with those systems. For example, we have uh, recently DVC was integrated as a part of uh, Seldon, which is uh, serving ML model serving system for Kubernetes. We have in- uh, integration with uh, Cortex Lab, which is also Kubernetes-based, AWS-based ML serving system. So, but we don't do products. Uh, we don't do serving. Let's say I develop a machine learning model and it's going great and I'm training it and I roll it out to production and then I realize, oh, actually this thing is classifying all the dogs as cats or uh, classifying all the um, stop signs as green traffic lights. I need to roll back my model. What does that rollback procedure look like and how does it how is it engineered under the hood? Yeah, so this part, and this is like the most crucial part, right, for most of the business. This part is depends on your serving tool, right? ML model serving tool. What we can do and what we do the best is to provide your interface to model store. From production system, you can say, all right, this model doesn't work, but I need to return back to model to the previous model from my master branch, for example, or I need to return back to some model from this experimentation branch, which is supposed to fix this problem. So this kind of interface, this kind of like API that we provide and DVC uh, provides. And this is about like covering the gap between, between production system, right? And development system. Because without systematic approach, how it usually works, uh, you go to data science team and say, hey, uh, we got a problem in production. Can, can we return back our like previous model? And data scientists like, yeah, sure. I have code, so no problem. I have data. I, I, I assume this version was was used. Just give me like uh, maybe like five, seven hours to retrain and I will get your model back, right? So <laughs> you don't want to be in this situation when you need like seven hours to get to, re- to revert it back. And this is why all this like life cycle management are super crucial for, for business. What's the hardest engineering problem you've had to solve in building the data, data version control system? Interesting. So we got hundreds of those. <laughs> on top of my head, today we are working on experiments uh, for ML experiments, and we try to avoid overcome the limitation that Git provides, right, with the commits. I think this is one of the hardest problems we are solving during this, at least last a few months. This is uh, one of those. Optimization is always a big problem for us, always. So we spend so much time to optimization and we're still like pushing hard on this direction because, you know, when you work with one million images, it's never fast. You know, <laughs> and we have introduced like a bunch of different algorithms to optimize this experience uh, because you don't want to wait for like hours until your data moves or some changes happens. And 
what makes DVC development challenging is uh, user interface. We try to build tool. We try to build uh, tools which introduce kind of minimum overhead for for developers. You need to understand like what is what engineers expect, what data scientists scientist expect, and how to cover their, their needs. And sometimes like very simple thing is why a lot of development behind. And this is uh, what makes it like very complicated. Like how to put like a right message, for example, error message, and how to understand what exactly what happened. Uh, the same thing actually with compilers. So. Uh, my first uh, job was to build the compilers, and you know what? Uh, you know, like in compilers, uh, half of the code, maybe not half, but like a big portion of the code related to like how to handle errors properly, how to put like a right error messages for users. So kind of similar here <laughs> with DVC. How do you dog food the data version control system? Are you working with machine learning yourself in your spare time, or do you just consult with the community? Tell me about the process of developing the, the tool from real-world training. Yeah, this is an interesting question. A good portion of uh, requirements for the product came from my personal experience, because I was trained as a kind of mathematician. Uh, I, uh, I was studied at uh, applied mathema- mathematics department. I did some image processing like many years ago, even before uh, deep learning. I was data scientist at Microsoft and I have seen how AI platforms are organized, how workflow is organized in a mature companies, in a mature teams. And uh, I built a tool based on uh, this uh, kind of my experience. But at some point, it's maybe enough for the first version of the tool, maybe some for some iteration, but it's, it's, it's not enough to kind of the whole journey of the product, right? So today, a good portion of requirement and feedback goes from our community. And this is the power of open source. When hundreds of users every month came to you and asked for something, like, I cannot solve this particular scenario, what I do wrong, how tool can help me. Or I have this, like, issue. I don't understand what's going on here. And it gives you, like, a lot, a lot of materials to build a better product. And a good portion of requirements today, I would say bigger portion of the requirements today came from users, from our users, open source tool users. Is model explainability a solvable problem or has it been solved yet? Because explainability seems like something that's going to be important if you're trying to figure out when to roll back and to what place to roll back to. Yeah, I have actually kind of two points of view to this problem. First of all, of course, it's an important problem because otherwise, like, model is a black box, black box for you, right? You need to understand what is going on first of all to understand the decision behind uh, the decision behind and second to improve your model right when you can explain why this has happened this is happening you can use this information to build a better model right so this is very important from another point of view uh, for business point of view it might be important 
but I believe in the long run we shouldn't focus on this like too much. Why? Maybe it's like a controversial statement, but why? I think when you use data products in your business, your workflow should be metrics-driven. You shouldn't ask question uh, like, why we rejected this loan for this particular person? It seems like a person relevant. This is not questions that you need to ask uh, your modern team. If you decided to be data-driven, you should be data-driven. You should ask different questions. You should say, today we got uh, like 23% rejection rate on our loans. Why it was increased? You shouldn't ask about particular guy. You should, you should think about, about the process. And the entire process needs to be data uh, metrics-driven. And when you process metrics-driven, when management believes and uh, believes in the in the metrics and they know how to manage the metrics explainability it's still kind of important thing but it's not it it, it is not like a core uh, pa- part of the process you don't need to go too deep into modern any, any, anymore if your process is well designed so all you need to know is is this thing working properly if it's not working properly i can roll it back yes yes exactly exactly and when manager goes too deep into models, it's usually kind of a red sign. They shouldn't ask these questions, like why we rejected this loan. They should be that uh, metrics driven. Because otherwise, if you don't believe your metrics, if you don't believe your models, like should you use them? Why don't you return back to your kind of more manual process when you can say who exactly rejected <laughs> right, the loan and have a talk with him or her. We've done several shows with Pachyderm, which is another data version control system. How do you compare to te- to Pachyderm? Yeah, Pachyderm it's a pretty advanced system and it has uh, data versioning functionality. But I see Pachyderm as a data engineering tool. Pachyderm has a scheduler, right? You can run job like periodically. It has like pretty sophisticated uh, resource orchestrator on top of Kubernetes. And I would say it's about productionization of your results. It's like a, an airflow on Kubernetes with data versioning capabilities. This is how uh, I see Pachyderm. You need Pachyderm when you go to production, when you periodically retrain your models or process data sets. While DVC, it's uh, more about development and connecting development with your raw data on one side and production systems to another side. So it's kind of a different different stages of your life cycle. To close off, how do you see the machine learning space evolving in the next five years? First of all, uh, I believe uh, we as an industry will be more data-driven, right? We just discussed this like workflow, right? And decision like who rejected the loan. I believe we will trust more to the numbers, and it's important to build uh, processes around this, like quantitative models, numbers, and processes. So this uh, this is a huge uh, this is a huge kind of like a cultural change, and this is what I w- I would expect from the industry. Second, I do believe that data and machine learning is going to be like one essential part of uh, software engineering. In the future, I don't believe we will have like 
data scientist or some like title like this, we are going to have like a special types of engineers. And if you take a look at mature companies uh, like Google, Microsoft, uh, they in many cases they prefer people with engineering skills to do modeling. But what is important, like men, their mental models are a bit different, right? You cannot just train engineer and uh, to build some models. So those people has a bit a little bit different kind of mental model. Uh, in development, and yeah, so so the gap between data science and uh, engineering will be like smaller. Data becomes like an essential part of the workflow of the software engineering tools, and cultural change related to data-driven approach in uh, in doing business, and trusting the models, building process around numbers, quantitative numbers. Dimitri, thank you for coming on the show. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. 